I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, July 16, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We had a down day. It was a down day in the S&P 500. Are the bears in business is the question of the day. Maybe they're in a small business. All big businesses start out as small businesses. So we'll see. We had a down day. We have stuff to talk about today. There's actually a lot of neat stuff going on. So we're going to go through all the charts. We'll peel back the onion. There should be a small bucket full of takeaways from today's video. Before we get going on today, let's reel back the clock a little bit and talk about yesterday for a second. Yesterday we said that we would be looking for a turn midweek. Yesterday, today, maybe we said it on Monday. I can't remember when we talked about the tinfoil hat stuff. But any way you look at it, we're looking for a turn somewhere around midweek. Now, that could also end up being an acceleration point. So get this. So the market's down today. Is it down one day into the point in which the market's going to turn and turn back up? Is that a possibility? Anything is a possibility Looking at the market from where we are, forgetting for a second the fact that we did have a down day, we're still in an uptrend. There's technically nothing wrong with this market. A little bit extended from home base, but what's the market doing? It's coming back to home base. Or it's going to eat some time off the clock and let home base come up to price. One of those two things happens over and over and over again. Could the market turn around and continue the melt up higher? certainly could you would use either yesterday's high or even today's high on hourly closes as a pretty good indicator that much much higher price tags were on the way if in fact they had a one day pullback turn around and go up again in a continued melt up we call that and this is a very technical term so you might want to write it down we call that a rope dope that's possible we know about that And so far, we haven't really got much past the $301 on the SPY that we put up on the screen before we got there. And of course, there's going to be some smart aleck out there that says, well, before you had $297 on the screen, and now we're at $301 or $300. Yes, and that smart aleck would be right, but we missed $297 by just about $0.70. And then the market did have a nice drawdown from that area, We recocked the gun and then had another rocket ride higher. We began discussing 300, 301, so far the high, 301.13. All right, let's talk about the downside. What happens if we're going to have some more downside? What does it look like? Well, let's enlarge the chart a little bit. In order to do that, let's go down to an hourly chart first. Before we do that, let's note where we are. We're right underneath 300 in the SPY. Why is that important? I think it's extremely important. I'm going to show you why. And it's not just the psychological number of 300, although it does play a role. Here's inside the numbers. I'm not going to bore you with the whole thing. We're just going to talk about specific numbers. Look at the first line. This is a 1240 update. We talk about 3010. That's in the 
ES, which is the S&P E-mini futures contract. We're also talking about SPY 300. But we didn't just begin discussing this in the afternoon. We started talking about it first thing in the morning. If you go to the pre-market morning notes, you'll notice right in the middle, ES 3010 is the line in the sand for the bulls. Hourly closes below, hands the ball to the bears, but they get blocked and tackled around the 3,000 goal line, the big fat round number. Okay, enough of that. But there was a method to the madness. There's always a point I'm trying to make. The point will actually get clearer and clearer as we go along. Let's note 300 by the horizontal trend line. Now we'll go down to the hourly chart. We're fighting 300. They're making a bearish pattern that will generally play to the downside into right around the 50 period moving average right beneath 299. But if they were to come down further, is that where they're going? We'll get back to that in a second. I have a different idea. I want to look at it from another perspective. This is essentially the same chart, just looking at it from a 120 minute perspective. I want to focus on the gap that was not filled. Let's move the chart over and let's decipher exactly what I'm referring to. So this candle here, that was the end of the day on the 11th, the close of the candle is 299.30. That happens to be, as far as I'm concerned, where the gap is filled. We talk about gaps a lot, and here twice you can see where the gap was attempted but not filled. The low here in this candle is 299.44, And the next candle over the low is 299.45. So what we say is when a gap is missed, for example, underneath and the market starts to trade away from it, that's generally bullish. We did get a nice rally away from that gap area. Let's identify the gap, 299.30. We'll go down to a different chart. Take a look. Here it is on a 15-minute chart. You can see they missed the gap and started trading away from it. But now... The market is struggling. It's not able to trade away from the gap. What this is telling me, under normal garden variety market conditions, they're going to come down and fill the gap, but they're going to come down farther than the gap under normal garden variety market conditions. Now let's say for a second that that does happen. Let's say they do more on the downside than the gap. If they're going to come down, if the market is going to sell, for example, tomorrow and or the following day, if we're going to have a few days of downside activity in the market, and I know that sounds like a foreign substance, but it does happen, what would be the story? Where would the market go if they're going to go farther than just the gap at 299.30? Let's go back to the daily chart and let's take a look at this thing from a logical, common sense perspective. Now, you're going to have to go with me on this. You're getting inside my mind, which we all know, repeat after me, is a dangerous place to be. But here's the way I'm looking at it. We talked about the gap. That's over here. So this is the daily chart. So that's the gap. We're very close to that. Maybe they just tap that gap and go higher. That's possible. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the what if. What if that's not all they're going to do? What if they are going to come down farther? Where is the first major area of support? Well, I have two of them. The first one comes from the fact that the market ran up to this spot and pulled away. So we know that that price area, at least the market thinks it's important. 
Well, where is that? Well, you know what? That happens to be right beneath that gap. Not by that much. Let's get the exact price. The high of that candle is 298.82. The gap is basically 299.30. It's 50 cents apart. Maybe it's important, but if I'm looking for something more than just 50 cents beneath the gap, where am I going? I'm going in one of two spots, and we'll look at it on another time frame. We'll look at it on another chart so that you can see it more clearly. But let me explain the concept first. We talk about volume a lot. Today, we were still well beneath the average 90-day volume, which comes in right now, just around 70 million shares in the SPY. But as the market was coming in the southern direction, it was headed in the northern direction in terms of volume from the trend that was going on over the last four trading sessions. Let's go to that last peak in volume. That was on the 10th. That was on the gap higher. So that's interesting. So the market gapped higher on pretty decent volume, decent in comparison to what's been happening lately. So everything's relative. So there was at least some participation in that gap up on that day. Is that considered a breakout of sorts? Did we have a reversal the day before, decent volume on the gap higher, and we went. So it was a gap and go. Now we're coming back down. Are we coming back down to test a former breakout area? Well, who's to say exactly what the breakout or where the breakout area is, but I'll give you my two cents for what it's worth. And now we're going to go through the process together. So the market breaks out. It leaves a gap. It leaves a gap a day after it had a reversal. That's an important number. That gap and that area is important. Maybe it's slightly above that gap. If the market's bullish, maybe it's inside of that gap. Anything closing below the low of this candle on the 9th, that is bearish without a shadow of a doubt. But that gap is a spot. Let's go down to some other charts to see what we have, to see if that makes sense. It made sense for me, or it made sense to me, made sense on the daily chart. But I want confirmation on other charts. I want to see what they look like. 240 chart, not going to see much different than a daily chart, pretty much to expectations. We're just taking a look. But interestingly enough, if we came into this area, that would be the first time that the 240 chart spiked through the 20 period moving average since the month of July began. So that's interesting. I don't know if it's useful information, but it's information. I'm just doing a data dump of things I see on the chart. What about the 120-minute chart? All of a sudden, we have a 50-period moving average at the same price area that we have the gap. In addition to that, you can begin to see there was a lot of activity in this area. We don't know which penny or to what penny it was, but we know that in this general area, there was activity. It's of note. They're all puzzle pieces. They're on the table. The hourly chart again. Now, here's a good one because... The line, the 297.19 that we've been focused on, now it appears farther away from current price than it did on the last couple of charts. So we have something a little bit different to work with, and it also creates another angle that I think we could learn something from. So let's just put our trader hats on for a second, and let's say we were looking for a long trade at that gap around 297. 
The gap to the penny comes in at 297.19, the one we were focused on. But depending on the chart, there are different prices that are more important to each and every chart. So we just have to understand that the same price may not be important on a 60 chart that's important on a daily chart or a 120-minute chart. On a 60-minute chart, there may be a slightly different price that's important to that chart. So we come here and we say, all right, beneath the 297 area, we do have a 100-period moving average sloping up. And watch this. This candle was that reversal. That was the hour of the reversal on that day, on the 9th. It was the first hour of the day. Now, somewhere in that candle, whether it's the low of the candle, the high of the candle, somewhere in there, that reversal candle is important. It generally will be important. And that happens to coincide pretty nicely with that 100-period moving average. Now we take the work that we just did. We go back to the daily chart. We want to get a visual of what we're looking at. Well, it's interesting because we don't know exactly where the market's going to stop, if it's going to continue down. But think about some of the things that we always talk about. Think about some of the things that we did just talk about. We talked about home base, the 20-period moving average, and the fact that price never likes to get really too far away from home base. So it either goes sideways and let home base work up to price, or price will come back down to pay a visit to home base. So we had that discussion. We did some work that if the market did come down, where is at least the first logical area the market would likely find at minimum of intraday support? And I think we hit it in between the area that we've identified somewhere around 296 and a half to 297 and change somewhere in that area the market is likely to find at minimum of intraday support and oh by the way you're coming in toward the daily chart 20 period moving average or home base so that was a pretty long-winded way of coming up with those two lines that's exactly how I do it I just did it with you in real time there are other things that I do. There are other things that I look at that are absolutely right out of the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. But everything that I just talked through with you was not pre-planned. Before we move on, I just want to point something out. And I think in the end, you'll find this somewhat comical. Here's the 3010 from inside the numbers. Now that corresponded with 300 in the SPY, there's a spread, and some of that is as a result of the futures contract. The futures contract is being priced at a point in the future. You're looking at the September contract. The other component of that is the fact that the SPY paid a dividend several weeks ago, but between those two items, that spread, as time goes on, will begin to narrow closer and closer together. But right now, the spread is still about a dollar or 10 points in the ES. But here's the rub. Sometimes we talk about the ES being at a big fat round number, or the SPX being at a big fat round number, or the SPY being at a big fat round number. Right now, it's the SPY that's at the big fat round number, but they go back and forth. It goes in cycles. Sometimes, the big fat round number will be important to a futures market or the cash index 
or the exchange-traded fund, in this case, the SPY. And the question is, how does it know which one when? It's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest, does anybody hear it? Here's another example. When the ES comes to its fat round number of 3,000, the SPY won't be at a big fat round number, but will the market find temporary or long-lasting support at and around that number? And the answer is, we don't know until we get there, and that's the point. Which one becomes important? The spider, the cash index, the futures? Regardless, you don't have to worry about that. I'll worry about that. Let's take a look over in Camp IWM. So we had a down day in the S&P, but we didn't have a down day in the IWM. How about that for a monkey wrench? And by the way, I have more monkey wrenches coming. So basically, since we had a zero day, it was a flat day in the IWM or the Russell 2000, there's no new information. The same thing applies. We have no choice but to say this is still a bull flag pattern above all these moving averages until it's not. If it breaks down, that's another thing. But it hasn't broken down. We have to note that. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Essentially, you can see that the IWM is consolidating in between this trend line and these moving averages below, and it's consolidating or building pressure or building energy to bust through this trend line. Where does that trend line come from? We looked at it the other day. We'll look at it again. You can see on the weekly chart. And remember, it's not me drawing the trend line. It's the chart that chooses the trend line. We're just here to identify where the trend line is. But you can see how the market is having trouble getting through the trend line. What that also tells you is if we get above the trend line and close weekly above that trend line, that likely is a pretty powerful signal that there are higher price tags coming. So you have to look at both sides of the tape. Right now in the IWM, nothing bearish. Doesn't mean we won't wake up to a gap down. Doesn't mean we won't wake up to a gap up above that trend line. We don't know. Right now, today, upon today's close, nothing changed. How about the VIX? Any change in the VIX? Not really. In fact, with the S&P down about half a percent today, a little less than that, I am a little surprised the VIX was not up more. That also can be an indicator. It's not that the VIX is up. It's that the fact the VIX is not up is important to me right now. That's a puzzle piece. That's on the table. If the stock market took a rocket ride higher and the VIX dropped, we had a further collapse in volatility and we found the VIX at 11, would I be a buyer? I know that question's going to come up. 11 and a quarter, 11, 1085, 11.40. And the answer is absolutely. With time on my side. I say this over and over and over again. While it may go down there and it may stay down there for a while, it generally doesn't stay down there for very long. So you have to give it some time. Here's another one of those monkey wrenches. Look at the takeoff that the transports have gone through. After this candle here, which is from the 12th, so the day before yesterday, we started talking about if the transports were going to have a further melt-up, where would they go? I'm pretty sure we said about 10,850, 10,800, eight and a quarter in that neighborhood. Today's high was in that neighborhood. 
The high today was 10,876, and then we backed off of that. So here's the thing. Up almost another 2% in the transports. This is my second favorite market leading indicator. It is our best canary in the coal mine. Is this telling us something or was it just headed to a destination? If you're a transport watcher like I am, then you have to admit that the last several days have been rather odd in the transports as it compared to a lot of other markets out there. So we really have to dig deep. We have to peel back the onion. Let's go over to a weekly chart. I think I have a pretty good story to tell. Now, the first thing you see when this chart comes up, or the first thing I see is we're approaching this double top area right here. That's logical, common sense, 11,000, give or take. That's fine. But the second thing I see, I think is more important than the first thing I see. It's the same story as the financials, only it's not in the same position. We'll get to the XLF when we get there and we'll have a reminder. But look over here and take a look at the breakdown candle high. It's already tried to get through there, wasn't able to do it. Are we making another run for it and are they going to get through it and keep going like they did in the financials or is this essentially lagging the financials, making an attempt, going to turn around and make a lower high? Let me just repeat that last part for a second because I think this is exactly what's important. Are we going to make another lower high in the transports? Now, if we don't and we bust up, that's very, very bullish. But if we do make another lower high, that's very, very bearish, and we're likely to see all the markets trade lower. So at this point, I am absolutely zeroing in on the transports. I'm keenly interested in 11044 and change, but that would be based on a weekly close this Friday or any Friday's close. It really is Quite an interesting and very, very similar story to what we went through for a long, long time with the XLF. About the triple Qs, do we have any real information in the triple Qs? Not really. They're going to trade pretty much the same direction as the SPY, as the Dow. They're all going to trade together, not necessarily to the same magnitude all day, every day. But for the most part, they're going to trade together. That same general area that we talked about in the SPY is down in this zone right here in the triple Qs. Again, right above the 20-day moving average. Here's the gap. So it's somewhere in that zone is the like area to the SPY. Speaking of the XLF, another down day in the XLF. And if the markets are, if they are going to come down a little bit, you would expect the XLF to have a little wind taken out of its sails as well. But this, the weekly chart, is what we were looking at in the transports. This is the area. That's the breakdown candle high. That high was 27.47. How long and how many times you got tired of hearing me say 27.47? They worked it. They worked it. They worked it. They gapped above it. We're still above it. I think it's a very, very similar story in the transports. Why is that? Because all charts act and react the same way. That's something that I teach in detail in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. Doesn't matter whether we're looking at an exchange-traded fund, a stock, a commodity, a currency, a crypto. Doesn't make any difference whatsoever. All charts act 
and react the same way. Anything doing in the SMH, nothing. It's the same. It was down a little bit. It was down about 1%. Same story across the board. I think and I hope that you have a pretty good idea of where my thoughts are. If the market comes down any farther and if we turn around again and continue melting up in the other direction, then so be it and we'll keep doing it each and every night. I'm going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.